Amen. Thank you, Lord. I've never heard Marlon speak in Swahili before. This is a, a new day. And he interpreted it for us, right? Is that what you... Yeah, I thought that was right. That was great. Excited about Angela getting to go to Kenya. Amen. I know this is a dream of hers. So, oh, I just wanted to say, uh, Becky and I have gotten to really be in some amazing churches uh, in the past few, several weeks, actually, and... Uh, and we were in a really, uh, really great upcoming church last Sunday called River Life Chapel Hill. Yeah, yeah, they're really doing, they're doing amazing. Uh, they're doing better than they think they are, actually. But you know, the tyranny of the familiar messes us all up. But we're just uh, happy to be here, though, because this is home. You know, and this is, yes, I mean, so. I was looking forward to coming to church today until I realized I had to preach. Then I got really upset, like, oh, Lord, help. You know, I'm just feeling uptight about this situation. Yes. I really enjoyed the worship team this morning. You know, that was really great. Uh, really uh, such an amazing focus on the Lord. And that's really what we want to, what we want is to put our eyes on the Lord. And so, actually, that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. Um, I want to, I think the last time I, I can't, uh, well, forget it. I can't remember nothing right now. What I want to talk to you about today is, is the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, most of you know that the Gospel of Matthew is the first uh, gospel in the Bible. And, and there's a reason for it, which I've discovered recently, uh, the reason they put it first. But I believe that in this season... The gospel is being highlighted by the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit always highlights the gospel, but sometimes he, there's particular emphasis uh, that he brings. And in my life, that's really been for, for over a year now. I have felt uh, in, in me uh, this thing about the gospel that has been unusual for me. Um, as most of y'all know, I, you know, I, I boil it down to this. There's, and I think I've said this before, but it doesn't matter. You know, there's the great commandment, and there's the great commission. The great commandment is 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 love, and that's really the the greatest thing is is to to uh, to know the love of God, to experience His love because there's there's power in His love, there's healing in His love, and there's there's everything we would desire for for ourselves and for our children or for our community is is God's love to for them to experience God's love and it's the most powerful thing there is but there are, there's also uh, the great commission and it's the gospel message that God wants to release to the world and that he's released in us and he wants to make the gospel real to people especially Christians who've kind of gotten away from it because, you know, life has a way of dragging you down, doesn't it? And you lose that thing in you, that burning thing in you that you cared at one time for what Christ had done for you. I'm so impacted, um, you know, the men's prayer breakfast. That's, well, it's not a prayer breakfast. There's a little bit of prayer, but <laughs> hearing testimonies, of people's salvation is powerful. Uh, 
And it's really something that God is going to release in the earth. He is going to release that. Uh, and so I really have spent a lot of time in the Gospels, really most of my Christian life, but I have been really doubling down here in the last year or so. Um, are y'all good? All right, ready? Uh, well, let me just remind you of something. I don't really, I can't remember what I've said here, okay? I just can't remember. So if I'm repeating myself, I'm so sorry. But I'm doing it for me, too. Is last November, I had this a wonderful encounter with the Lord. It was just so wonderful. And it wasn't like Isaiah 6 when Isaiah saw, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And the angels were crying glory, you know, and holy, holy, holy. And, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden he had this terrible thought come into his mind about how, how much of a sinner he was and how much he lived in, amongst sinners and and the angel took a coal from the, from the altar and touched his lip. And he was uh, cleansed. And then he heard something. He heard the Lord. He heard God the Father say, who will go for us? Who will go for us? That was the Father speaking for the, for the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Isaiah being, you know, overcome by the Lord. You have to be careful what you tell the Lord in those moments. Let me just go ahead and warn you. You can get yourself into some big trouble saying, oh, here I am, Lord, send me. That's what he said. I'll go, Lord. Well, that's the gospel. That's the great commission right there. The problem was, this is a problem. This is kind of, kind of funny, okay? The problem was, if you keep reading, because most of us stop there, because it's the glorious experience, right? We just love those glorious experience. Oh, the Lord's sending me. Oh, how awesome that is. And then the Lord said, and oh, by the way, I'm going to send you to some people that are not going to listen to a word you say. They're going to reject you. It's not going to work. And he says, wait a minute, how long is this going to go on? That was his, I don't, I'm not sure I want to get involved in such a sending, Lord. And you know what the Lord said? It's going to happen until, until they're desolate. In other words, you're probably not going to see a whole lot. You know, well, that's the, the truth of a lot of what we do. We don't get to see some things, but the Lord's merciful and let us see a few things. But so I had a similar thing, and, uh, and it was like I heard that. It was like I heard that voice, who will go for us? And it, and it was very bothersome to me. You know what I'm saying? Because it, I, couldn't, I couldn't get away from it. You ever had God begin to do something and you just can't seem to, to escape it. And so that was really kind of what I realized, uh, and I believe this is the truth, is if we don't carry, if we don't carry the Father's love and the Father's heart uh, in us, and if we don't carry this, this who will go for us, if we don't carry this great commission, then we're going to be like a one-winged bird. You know what I'm saying? We're, gonna, we're not going to get off the ground in life. We're going to be incomplete you hear what I'm telling you? We're not going to be complete without, you know, we, have, we need both of those flowing in our life. Uh, am, am I talking to anybody here this morning? Well, two or three people said yes. Okay? So here's the thing I want to encourage you about the Gospels. 
is getting into the Gospels. Because here's what I've discovered about just reading the Gospels and meditating on the Gospels and studying the Gospels, is they really will cause you to fall in love with, with Jesus Christ. They will cause you to begin to know this person. Okay? And the more you know Jesus, the more you're going to know God the Father. Amen? It's just what he said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The more we, and the more we're going to become acquainted with the Holy Spirit. See, that's what these Gospels really are for. They're to really tell us something, to reveal something to us about this person of Jesus Christ. How he lived, how he thought, what his values were. And, 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 and so, and I think I've told you, all four gospel messages, they're the same gospel, but they're all different. They're trying to reveal a little differences of this person of Christ. Because no one gospel could ever capture who he is. In fact, John, at the end of his gospel says, I could, there's not enough books in the world to contain what we saw and what we experienced. There's not enough books we're just, they, were just throwing, they were just giving us a little bit, but it's powerful. Now, I wanted to read about the gospel of, you know, Paul said, uh, he's not, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That's what he said, because it's the power of God at work. We want power. Well, Paul was saying, this is how the power of God is tapped into. It's through the gospel message. It's the power of God at work. It not only reveals the love of God, it not only reveals the personality of God, it reveals the power of God and how to tap in to His power. Amen? Are y'all interested? Somebody said we need the power. Yes, and, and the gospel is the key, I think. So, uh, you know, Matthew's gospel was primarily written, I mean, originally written, he read it, his audience was the Hebrews, the Jewish nation. And, and as many of you know, Matthew was... He himself was a good Hebrew boy, not so, so good, because he was a tax collector. Matthew 9, 9, is, remember the story. Jesus walked by the tax collector's office and said, follow me. He got up and followed him, had a party with a b- bunch of his buddies, and it got Jesus in trouble with all the religious people. But, you know, the, it, the, the tax collectors, like the tax collectors today, but even worse, were not very loved people. Nobody wants to get a letter from the IRS, Right? We don't want to even talk to the IRS. We want to forget those people, right? Well, it was ten times as bad. You know, as far as the, the Jewish people thought, they felt like Matthew was a traitor and deserved. He, he committed treason against him because he was a tax He was collecting taxes for Rome. And so that's, that's how he was felt. But, you know, the Lord marvelously saved him. And this, this gospel, I don't know, it's never been my favorite. Okay, I've never understood, I've never realized the treasure. There's some treasures in it that I've loved, but I've discovered some things that are amazing. The very first verse says this. This, and I'm using this New Living Translation. It says, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Now, only Matthew and Luke give us a real a genealogy. Genealogies were very important to the Hebrew people. You go read the Old Testament, it's full of them. I mean, they sound like, oh gosh. You know? <laughs> it's like, uh, I wish I could skip. I'm going to skip over that, Lord, today because I can't pronounce three quarters of the names. But it's just, they're everywhere in the Old Testament because it was important for, for, the, for them to know that they were true he- Hebrews. Okay, that was a, that was a big deal. 
uh, you know, and, and it was important for them to know who were the, who were the priestly uh, tribe and all that stuff because they were the ones who, who functioned. So it was a big deal. And so Matthew, you know, he starts out by, by revealing that, that Jesus is an actual descendant of King David, which gave him the right to be the king. Because this is what this gospel is all about. It's all about revealing the king, that Jesus is the king. Okay? And he also wanted to make sure that not only is he the king, the rightful heir to David's throne, that he's also a true Hebrew because he traced him back to Abraham, who was the original Hebrew man. He was the father of, of, of uh, Israel. Okay, so that was really important. But this is what's amazing to me. That uh, phrase there, a record of the ancestors, um, <clears throat> I think some other translations call it the book of the genealogy, but what that literally means is the book of beginning, listen to this, the book of beginning or the book of Genesis. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? Listen, the book of Genesis. It's a new Genesis. Are you here? And, and this is what it is. It's a new, this is a new thing that God's doing. This is what he's saying. This is a new Genesis. This is not the old Genesis. This is a new Genesis. And it's about this person, this person who's the firstborn of this new Genesis, this new creation. Are you, isn't that powerful? It's like God is declaring something. He's declaring you got the Old Testament, you got the old Genesis, and you got all that old stuff, but here's God is now doing something new. He is beginning to show something he's never shown before. We're no longer living in the types and the shadows of this old. The real has come. The real has come. And this person is the real deal. He's not the shadow of God. He's not the type of God. He is God. And see, this is the, the key thing we got to get when we open the books, the pages of the New Testament. That God is now declaring something about himself. You want to know me? You know, want to know what I'm like? Don't go to the old. You can't, listen, you can't, the Old Testament has to be interpreted by the New Testament. You can't understand the Old Testament. You can't get what God's really trying to say and do in it without getting the New Testament. And that's what he's saying. I finally brought it to you. And that's why this, this is, to me, like, oh, that sort of settles the thing. Matthew's certainly a favorite gospel because it's a new creation gospel. It's the firstborn of the new creation. It's about him. And if we really want to get to know this person and know what God's new Genesis, this is how we do it. We tap into this. It's powerful, I think. Yes and amen. Uh, one particular thing about this Matthew's gospel is that, listen, listen to this. This is what it says. Jesus is a king, and he has a heavenly kingdom. That's the new Genesis. Jesus is a king of this heavenly kingdom. Okay? Jesus is king. He wanted people to really get this. He wanted people to really understand this. We've got a new king here, and he has a kingdom. Okay? And the word kingdom appears 50 times. That's pretty more than any other gospel. And the phrase of kingdom of heaven appears 32 times. And it doesn't appear nowhere else in the New Testament. Kingdom of heaven is nowhere else in any of the gospels. Now, there's, Luke uses the word kingdom of God a bit. 
They all, you know, that's sprinkled out. But nowhere near how he uses this word, kingdom of heaven. So it's about this king. And some of the particular miracles that Matthew brought out that Jesus did had to do with miracles over nature, like calming the storm, walking on the water, raising the dead, feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000. See, he, what Matthew was doing was establishing that Jesus is the king. He's above all. And he has power over nature. He has power over death. And he was trying to establish that with, with, the, with the Hebrews, and he's trying to establish that with us. That we would begin to see Jesus, not just in word that Jesus is king, but that Jesus is truly king. And that's how he's trying to reveal him. Now let's look at uh, Matthew 4.17. Are y'all okay? Oh, come on. Listen, this is... This is this is Jesus' first public speech or words in the gospel. Here's something you should do sometimes if, you're, if you'd like to, especially studying these gospels, is go in each of the gospels and find the first things that Jesus said. Okay? Whether it be private or like in Luke, the first thing he said, didn't you know I need to be about my father's business? He was, there was, that's establishing something. Okay, so every one of the Gospels have something he said, or in some of them it's just his first words were he was preaching. And so that's setting, that there's, setting the pace for what this, what this Gospel's about and what, and what they want us to get, what they want us to hear, what they want it to impart to us. Are y'all interested in this? I hope you are because I'm vitally interested in this. I think the church needs to get vitally interested in the gospel. And I think we need to let this stuff go beyond our little brains and get into our heart and start eating away at us on the inside and start motivating us and start getting us in a position where we begin to be those people who declare this in whatever way and form that takes because there's many variations of this. But I think this is very vital for us. Anyways, this is his first, these are the first things he began. It says, from then on, Jesus began to preach. He had already said some stuff, by the way, in Matthew. He had, he had some conversations with the devil, if you want to go back and read that sometime. But we ain't worried about his conversations. I want to, the first thing he began to preach, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what Jesus was saying, he was right up right at the beginning of this gospel. He's saying, listen, there, there is a kingdom of heaven. And the way you enter that kingdom is you need to repent. You need to repent of sins and you need to turn to God. Now, I think most of us know that repent means change the way you think, right? Do y'all know that? That's what it means. Literally, change the way you think about sin. Oh, sin's not good. It's, I don't need to be thinking that's pleasurable. God is good. God's awesome. I need to let this go so I can enter into this thing with God. It's really basically what he was saying. And, and so that was really amazing that he said that. Uh, but if you are like somebody, like for me, for instance... Uh, okay, I need to think that sin's bad. Okay, I, I get that, right? Everybody get. I mean, you had to be an idiot not to think that. 
You know, if wages are sin or death, well, heck, then it's a bad thing because it's going to kill me if I do it. You know, but so I need to think that, but how do I need to think this new way? What needs to be replacing all those thoughts? Are y'all with me? That was my question when I first began to see this. What the heck? Change the way you think. What am I supposed to change it to, God? You're going to tell me to do something and not give me some thoughts? Right? We need some thoughts from heaven. If you want us to change the way we think, tell us how do we need to start thinking. Well, guess what? <laughs> the good news is, turn the page to chapter 5. And you begin to have some new thoughts that are given. They call it the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, chapter 5 through 7. And this is Jesus introducing to people what he, he did. It's a, it's, it's a continuation of repent. Okay, now I want to tell you how things work in the kingdom. I want to tell you how I think about prayer and fasting. I want to tell you how I think about being poor in spirit and you know, all these things. I want to tell you how I think if you're being persecuted for your belief. He tells us this is the way, adopt this way of thinking. And you know what the cool thing is in the Gospel of Matthew? That's just one of five. Everybody say five. What theologians call five discourses. Y'all know what a discourse is? I don't really like that word. (laughs) Discourse. It's five talks or five messages or five teachings that are in the Gospel of Matthew that are not necessarily in the other Gospels, although Luke has bits and pieces of it. Mark has none of it, but that's another story. There's a reason. So there's these five uh, teachings that Jesus gives in the Gospel of Matthew. The Sermon on the Mount is the first one. Okay? Um, There's another one about the kingdom. Oh, there's another one first in Matthew 10 about missions. You want to know what Jesus thinks about missions? Go read Matthew chapter 10. It's right there. He's got, he's got understanding that he wants us to know about missions. Missions is important to Jesus. Okay, then in Matthew 13, he, he has more uh, teachings on the kingdom where he uses this phrase over and over, all these parables. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. has many parables to try to help us to understand what God's kingdom is really like. And he uses all these natural, like it's like a seed, somebody sowing seed. You know, that's, that's one of the more famous uh, parables. But he has many of these parables to help people get a grid what the kingdom of heaven is really like. Then, here's something really a lot of people don't realize. Matthew 18 is called Jesus' sermon about the church. Because there's things in there about people going astray. <laughs> Stuff churches have to deal with. People not forgiving each other. Okay, people having disputes with each other. All of that is in Matthew 18. As a matter of fact, Matthew's gospel is the only gospel where the church is directly mentioned. None of the other gospels talk about the church. Matthew 16 is where he brings out this fact, I'm going to build the church in the gates of hell. So church is really important to Jesus. Let me just say that to y'all. Well, that's just kind of like preaching to the choir. Right, but church is important to Jesus, real important. It's his body, it's his, it's his, his mechanism on the earth. It's his agent for the kingdom on the earth. 
And people who forsake the church, are, 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 mm, they're forsaking themselves. That's what they're doing. They're, they're tearing themselves down. D- don't tear the church down. I was telling Becky about this person I was having a conversation with. This is an amazing person. They're so wounded in their life, they kept finding fault with the churches. And I kept saying, well, but what if the church was gone? What would happen? You know, it's a wonderful life. Remember that story? That's how we need to b- begin to see it. The church is not perfect. But I'll tell you one thing. If we took every church out of this community, things would be dark here. Because there's a lot of truth being held. There's a lot of ground held here. We don't really see what's really going on in the spirit realm. And so Jesus had a real thing about the church. And then the last one was about the end times. It's Matthew 23 through 25. So those were like the five major teachings that Jesus gave in the Gospel of Matthew where he wanted to... For people to say, these things are important to me. You need to know about these things. This is how I think about these things. You know, and this is how you need, to, you need to adopt my thoughts about all these things. So if you want to know about church, go read Matthew 18. If you want to know about missions, go read Matthew 10. If you want to know about how you're supposed to think and act about life and about situations, go read Matthew 5 through 7. As a matter of fact, there's over 200... 200 things that Jesus says to help people think right, believe right, act right, and make choices concerning their future. Right in the Gospel of Matthew. Over 200 things. That's amazing, isn't it? Did you know, I was telling Becky, what if somebody, some brilliant, sly Christian person took the Matthew's Gospel but didn't call it the Gospel of Matthew and wrote a Christian book with all of this glorious information in it People would swoon over it and buy it and read it and gobble it up like I've never heard such a thing. And when we really have it right here before us, it's really the truth, y'all. And really the church really needs to really dig themselves into this and let this become a part of them. And when we do, it's going to change our life. That's, what the, that's the gospel for the church is letting this good news written down become a living word in us. Are y'all all right? Well, let me just tell you this. I got one more little thing here. I wanted to tell you about the Gospel of Matthew is I believe this. The Gospel of Matthew is summarized in one event in Jesus' life. The whole Gospel in Matthew 17. And everybody that knows the Bible well knows what happened in Matthew 17. It's the Mount of Transfiguration. And I believe that is the whole... uh, It summarizes the whole book. Um, You know... um, I think I've told you this before because it's been a really powerful thing, man, the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, we actually got to see the place where we believe it actually happened. Uh, it's a high mountain. It's, it is kind of high, relatively speaking. Not high as, you know, Grandfather's Mountain, but, you know, but it's high. And it's right over this place where Jesus mentions uh, in Matthew 16, the gates of hell. There's really like this, this opening that, that where all this wicked stuff. Well, the Mount of Transfiguration is, is over there. And I'm thinking, that's got to be it. Because Jesus was declaring himself to be over all of that crazy stuff. And he, he even said, those gates of hell won't stand against the church, by the way. Okay, but let me read this. So in my mind, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking about that day we were there, uh, looking up there and thinking, Wow. That was where it was. I wish I could get up there. Maybe there's some juice up there still. You know, and get some of that juice. 
but even if I went up there, Jesus made them go down the mountain. He didn't let them stay up there. So let me read this to you real quick and tell you a couple things. Are y'all good? Anybody mad this morning? Anybody bored? Okay, anybody sleeping? You can sleep, you can be mad, you can be bored. Okay, you have permission. It says, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up on a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Wow. And then that's talking about an encounter with the Lord. This is like the ultimate. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Wow. Jesus is having this amazing thing happening to him. And then Moses and Elijah, the two greatest people from the Old Testament, okay, are there. Right there. And people, Moses got into the promised land. Do you hear what I'm saying? He was standing on the mountain. That was in the promised land. He didn't get to go in his natural body, but he went into the promised land. God's good, isn't he? Moses, you're not going, but guess what, Moses? I'll let you go later. (laughs) Don't tell nobody. We'll let everybody be surprised all at once. And so there they are talking to Jesus, two dead people, having this conversation with Jesus, but they were just more alive than anybody. And Peter exclaimed. Notice it said exclaimed. He didn't say, Lord. I mean, he exclaimed. He was getting, he was getting Pentecostal. He was getting wild, man. When you get in the presence of the Lord, stuff happens. You don't just get all calm most of the time. Sometimes you do. But a lot of times, you get in the presence of the Lord, you get energized. This energy gets in you, and, and something happens to you. Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you won't... I will make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. One of the, I think Mark's version of this says he didn't know what he was talking about. That's what he said. It's true, he didn't. But he was giving it his shot there, and that was what old Peter was. You know, he'd give his shot, and later he'd get yelled at or something. But I think the Lord loved that about him because he let him preach on Pentecost over it. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Wow. I mean, this is, like, this is the ultimate encounter, right? You see in Jesus transform. Moses is there. Elijah's there. All of a sudden, God the Father from heaven is talking, and you're hearing him. I mean, that would be... And it says they were terrified, you know, of course they were. You would be too. Trust me. If you don't think you would, I pray today when God gives you some low-level angelic encounter that will cause your heart to jump up into your throat. And you're thinking, that thing, why don't I ever ask God to let me see any of this? I don't want to see it. I'm too scared to see it. Well, that's what this stuff does to people. That's why people have said the most uh, number one command in the Bible is fear not. Because you've been scared to death by what God is doing. It scares you. Say, like, don't be scared. It's just me. Don't worry. And so they fell down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. There you go. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone you, you, have, uh, you have seen what you have seen to the Son of Man has been raised from the dead which at that time they weren't really understanding all that. Wow, isn't that powerful? 
Wow, what a thing for Jesus to say. Don't tell nobody about the greatest encounter you ever had. And I can't tell nobody. I'm supposed to be a preacher of the gospel and I can't tell nobody about this. I mean, everybody's going to believe after this, right? Don't tell them. I mean, you know, it's just, some things just don't really add up in my mind. Anyway, so here's some things. Number one, this is something I think we got to think about. Jesus took them up on that mountain to create a space with just him. Okay? That's really important. And that's something we need to do in our life. If we really want these encounters, we got to create a space for God to do what he wants to do. There was no miracles. There was no healings. There was none of that. It wasn't like they were trying to get God to do anything. They were just being with him. Okay, so creating a space, and, we need, and that's what we want to do in church, right? That's what church is supposed to be, is create a corporate space so that God can manifest. But we've got to get to the point where we let Jesus appear as he chooses to instead of getting him to be a certain way. And that's what Christians are famous for. God did it this way last time. He's going to do it this way again. That's a mistake. Okay, so we've got to, get, we've got to allow him to manifest the way he chooses to manifest. That's really important. But I think this is, and he was really revealing his true nature to them. He was revealing, this is who I really am. I'm the king. I'm the glorious king. And he really wants to reveal himself to the church like that. Um, But I think this, this phrase, then a cloud overshadowed them. A cloud overshadowed them. Um, And then they heard the voice uh, and there's actually only three times in the Gospels where there was a voice from heaven. There were three times, one at Jesus' baptism, one here, and one when Jesus prayed and said, Father, I think it was John 12, glorify your name. I have glorified your name, and I will glorify your, in my name. God actually said that, and people heard it. And some said it thundered. That's, that's what they said in, about John 12. Uh, so... And, and really what was happening right there is, is God the Father was saying to humanity, listen. He was saying it to them specifically. Listen. Stop listening to Moses. Stop listening to Elijah. Hear my son. If you don't hear him, everything you hear from them, you're not going to get. Now, he wasn't throwing the Old Testament in the trash can. He was saying, if you want to know what Moses had to say, if you want to know what Elijah was really trying to declare, you need to hear this person, my son. And when you begin to hear him, you can hear what they have to say. You really want to know why God acted the way he acted in the Old Testament, you, we need to get to hearing Jesus. Are you all hearing this? That's what, why we're wrong on a lot of what we say about the God of the old versus the God of the new. Because we're not hearing the Son. And we begin to hear Him and how He says God is, what He says God's like, then we can begin to understand that God in the Old Testament who seemed a little crazy at times. You know, brutal, wanting to crush people and kill people. It says that. It's all over the Scriptures. We can never really understand that God and know that God without hearing Jesus Christ. And for the Hebrew to hear that, that was a hard word. We might not think it's hard, but for them, Moses and Elijah, they were the ultimate. They didn't have what we have. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And God was setting the new order, the new creation, the new genesis. He's the person to hear, not them. Once you hear him, you can hear what they got to say and find out what they're truly saying. 
That's how you interpret the Old Testament, is by, by being able to hear what Christ has to say and what he says about God. And then putting that on the Old Testament, you can sort of get a better, clear picture. Are y'all good? But this is the, the, uh, the most famous verse here. It says in verse 8, And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone. Gone. And they saw only Jesus. Everybody say, they saw only Jesus. That's the whole... If you had to sum up the Gospel of Matthew, it's that phrase. They saw only Jesus. Because that's what this Gospel's about. Is to reveal Jesus as King. And listen to this. Anything in our life, good or bad, okay? It can be awesome things. It can be things of God that... that Come between us and God, there's a cloud coming on it. There's something going to overshadow that. Are y'all getting that? It's not just sin. Of course that is. But even the things of God, the good things of God that we're involved in, if they become more important to us, if your dreams become more important to you than this person of Christ, if you're calling, if your business, if your family, you, you name it, you can name it all. Whatever it is, it's going to get, at some point, it's going to get overshadowed. I mean, at some point, that thing's going to start falling apart on you. It's going to stop working on you. That's what Matthew wants us to know. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. He's number one. Everything else gets overshadowed. And, he, and God wants to bring us to a point where we really begin to see Jesus. I, that's why I love this worship this morning. It was really, really focused on Him. And that's really what God wants from the church. He really wants us to, we see Jesus. It's our only Jesus. I hope that's really profound to you. Um, is it? Think about that for a And then it says they went down to the mountain. I always used to have this thing about mountains in the Gospels, let me tell you right quick. Is every mountain Jesus went up on, he came down. Okay? He never stayed on a mountain. Not one time, except for once. I did find one time he did. But I promise you, he's coming down that mountain. Because he went up on a mountain at the end of Matthew, in Matthew 28. It says they met him on the mountain where he told them to go. And then he left and went. So he's going to come back down on that mountain, Mount Zion. And he's going to live from there, but... I think that that's the thing about going up on a mountain and coming down is really key, you know, is, you know, God calls us to, to the mountaintop experience, right? That's what we're talking about. Every mountain that Jesus went on, every time he went on a mountain in, in the gospel, something wa- profound or something wild happened. It's something out of the ordinary happened. You read it when it says he went up on a mountain. Something happened. Something beautiful happened. Something amazing happened. But he came down from every mountain. And they went down from that mountain. They went down into a mess. They went down into the valley of humanity. They went down into the valley of arguments and trouble and people trying to get people healed and delivered. And it was just a mess. And see, that's really where, what we had to discern in our lives. This is important. You've got to discern, is God calling you onto the mountain or at this time or is he calling you down into the valley? And the best thing you can do is wherever he's calling you is to go. I think a lot of what happens in revivals in churches is we try to stay on the mountain. And we try to stay when Jesus is already taken off down. 
He's, he's going down the mountain, and we're back up there on, on the mountain. He's down there somewhere because he's saying, I did all that to help you, to bless you, but I've got to get you because there's other people that are not going to be able to go up on that mountain. And that's what he was showing when he only took three of them up. Not everybody's going to go up there. So your job is to get what you've got to earn, take it to them. That's what the church is meant to do. Is we've got to have these encounters, Lord, but if all we have is an encounter for our pleasure, at some point it's not going to be good. Are y'all following this? That's where we have this great commission thing. And so you had to discern in your life where you are on this whole swing. All right, my, is this a mountaintop time for me? Yay. Thank you, Jesus. I love mountains. I'm going to hang out here. I'm going to build some booths and move in. <laughs> camp out there for a couple months. And then with the church, like, we'll camp there for years. You know? It becomes kind of self-indulgent at some point. But Jesus wouldn't do that. So I'm going to end this, but I did want to tell you one thing here. Are you all okay? Yep. I wanted to read this. i got five more minutes. I can do this. Thank you, Lord. So Peter was one of those people who went up on the mountain with Jesus, right? Let me tell you, he had a lot of great experiences with the Lord in his life, right? I mean, come on. I mean, well, think about some of the stuff that Peter saw with Jesus when he was walking on the earth. Think about that last conversation in John, the Gospel of John, where the Lord was restoring Peter after he denied him. I mean, you know, where the Lord told him about his future and told him about his calling. And, I mean, and then he preaches and thousands of people are saving. He's on a rooftop and he delivers the Gospel to the Gentile nation for the first time Miracle after miracle after miracle this guy has. So here he is now. He's an old man. He's old. He knows the day's coming where he's going to be marched to, to death. He knows it. He's his old man, Second Peter. But this is what he says. Listen to this. For we were not making up clever stories when, you t- when we told you about the powerful coming, the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw... Listen, we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. This man's a witness. We saw it with our own eyes. We saw his splendor. We saw it. We experienced it. When we, he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. He's reflecting back on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is the thing at the end of his life. Of all his encounters, all his beautiful things that happened to him, that was the thing that he went back to. That voice, what he saw, what he experienced. Even though he had stuff that he was going to go through after that, he was going to deny, he had things that was going to have to be dealt with. But at the end of the day, at the end of his life, this is what he was declaring. He was declaring the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the majesty, the beauty of the Lord, how God the Father loved Jesus Christ, how everything in the universe centered around Him. That's what Peter was declaring. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven, and we were with Him on the holy mountain. We heard it. We were with Him. That's why, you know, making a space for God is so important. We were with Him, and we heard this. But that's not the thing. Is The thing we got to get, the Bible says David and, and Psalm are... Acts 13, I think verse 26 or something like that, says David served God in his generation. 
He served his God. In, his, in other words, what David did, he took what God gave him and he used it and he declared it and he put it out there. He put it out there. And the Bible's testimony about David in the New Testament was not that he was an adulterer and a murderer. It was that he served God in his generation. And he was the root and offspring. That's what Jesus said about, about David. Why? Because he was a witness. He witnessed something. He had something to happen to him. And he did not hold it in. He gave it away. People wonder why God doesn't do stuff with him. It's because when he does do something, it just ends in you. If you want more encounters, release what you have. Release what you have. And God will fill you back and bring you into deeper things. Listen to this psalm right here. Uh, Psalm 155. uh, Psalm 145, verse 4. You okay? Yeah, man. Come on. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Psalm 145, verse 4. You know what I see? Okay, I'm ending here. This is what I see with my generation. I'm not seeing. I see my generation chickening out. That's what I see in my generation. We're like chickens. Oh, you have this, what they call this millennial generation that's challenging all this stuff about what we believe and about what we experience. And what, so we're backing off and, and giving them, and we're even being influenced by bad theology and bad stuff. And we have kicked some of what God has done in us to the side. Are y'all following me? That's what I see happening in the body of Christ. Where God has called us to declare what He's done for us. And if we would get to that, that's what's going to impact the generations. We can't blame that generation for being, going off the mark if they're going off the mark. We can blame our generation and say, because we have not done this. We have not been faithful witnesses to what God has done in us. And that's why the Holy Spirit has come on people to make them witnesses. It wasn't just about speaking in tongues and gifts of the Spirit, as great as all that is. But the stated purpose is to make us witnesses, to bring us into these encounters with the Lord like they had. It may not be as good as what Peter had. I'm not saying that on any day. You know, but I'd take an inch of what he got. Any day of the week, I'd take a cup of what he got. You know, everybody in this room would. He'd probably kill us if we took a cup of, drank a cup of what he experienced. But I am saying, I think it's our job, you know, everybody in this room, is to really become these witnesses. You're already witness. That's one thing I heard in some of these testimonies. Wow! Listen to Dean's testimony. Like, wow! The power, he was talking about the power of God coming on him. That's what people need to hear. A person who experienced it. You've experienced the power. You've experienced God doing stuff in you. Every one of us have. That's what the Great Commission really is for us. It's taking what God has put in us and us being that witnesses of Him. We desperately need that witness in the earth. We desperately need it. 
Every one of us. And there's, we have a generation, let me say, I remember Arthur Burke, y'all remember all our, like, you know, most of y'all knew Arthur Burke when he was 90, and 100-year-old man, crickety, right, you know. I can remember when I was a young believer in my early 20s listening to him preach. He was, I think he was in his 60s then. He was very fiery. I didn't understand three-quarters of what he was talking about. But I knew one thing. I knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking. And it was getting into me, getting into me, getting into me. You know, and he became like a spiritual father. And I remember when he died. I remember when Bob Jones died thinking, what was us? We've lost these people. They, I mean, what? And then I realized all they did is they were just witnesses to what God did in them. And that's all we have to be. We don't have to try to be them. We can never be them. But let's just be the witnesses of what God has done in us. And let that come out of us. And when we begin to do that, God will begin to work because He promised that in Mark's Gospel, Mark's um, Great Commission. He promised, I'll be with you. You go do these things, I'll be right there with you. In other words, you go heal the sick, I'll be healing them. You go preach the gospel, I'll be preaching the gospel through you. I'll do it, He'll do it. Because God does not lie, God keeps His word. So, amen. Everybody all right? Let's just stand, yeah, let's just stand up. Thank you, Lord. So, I'm just asking the Lord. I think what Will said was praying that we'd have encounters is really the right thing. Uh, and I want us to have encounters that get in us and mess with. I know some of you have. Have had some pretty powerful encounters with the Lord. And it's changed your life and... You've done all this amazing stuff, you know, because of what God did, in, and you've become a witness. And I really congratulate, I congratulate you if you've really been that. I honor you for that. I want to be that. And I want my generation to quit forsaking the church, okay? And I want your generation to quit forsaking the church. And let's start being a witness instead of running away and hiding or giving up. Let's start being a witness. Let's start letting what God's put in us come out of us. And I believe that's what's going to change the world. That's the truth, the good news. And if we run away and hide, we'll never be the witness. If we give up, we won't be that witness. We just won't. We just won't. But God will give you the grace. He will give you the power to press through the disappointment and the discouragements and all the things that will come at you where when you become an old man or old woman, you can look back and say, Man, I saw something. I heard something. I was faithful to it. I'm sorry. (laughs) So, Lord, let's just, we just ask you, Father. That you would really, really would hear our cry. We really we want to be witnesses. We're really asking the Holy Spirit to come on us. Fill us fresh. Anoint us. Lord, uh, let us see your beauty. Let us see your glory, Lord. And Lord, if there's things that in our lives that are in the way, Lord, I, we just want them to be just go ahead and overshadow them. 
y pon tu sombra sobre ellos and just release us now, y suéltanos ahora Señor suéltanos ahora Señor envíanos, envíanos nuevamente Señor Just say to the Lord if you if you really want. Say, Lord, I receive your commission this Dile esto al Señor, yo recibo. I receive the great commission. Yo recibo la gran comisión. It's really great, Lord. Es realmente grande. And make it real in my life. Y hazla real en mi vida. And what it looks like for me personally. Y cómo se va a parecer para mí personalmente. Just give me that wisdom. Dame esa sabiduría. How to walk that out, cómo Father. Cómo caminar esto, Padre. And I just bless you, Lord. Yo te bendigo, Señor. In Jesus' name. En el nombre de Jesús. Yes. Amen. Come on, did you guys receive that? Esto? There's such a strong impartation right now for the gospel. Para el I'm telling you what. Te digo algo. Family members, sons and daughters de are coming hijos back to Jesus. E hijas van a a People Jesus. who have encountered Jesus and walked away are coming back. Gente que I'm telling you Jesus. that right now. Van a regresar a la iglesia. And God is infusing us with boldness and courage to stand para pararnos in love and truth amor y en verdad, and declare what y God has done in our life and what he did vida. in their life is true. Declararlo en la vida de Come on, are you receiving that this morning? Espero que reciban esto There esta is mañana. such a power of the gospel being released in the earth right now. Lo Let's enter into that. Entremos that is en the esto. word of the Lord today. Esta es la I'm obra del Señor. I'm telling you, estoy diciendo, I've got people in my life yo tengo gente en mi that vida, I'm standing for and believing for to come back. That a true encounter with the living God. That a true encounter Dios with vivo. the gospel. Maybe they walked away. Encuentro. I'm telling you what, diciendo, they're coming back. Están regresando. And they're going to be stronger than they were before. Y van a ser más de lo que eras antes. Come on, Jesus. If you have more prayer that you feel like you need that you're, you're feeling si the Lord doing something que el Señor está algo y if you have family members si de familia, that you want the Lord to touch and bring back if you want to have more opportunities si tener más to share the gospel para el and walk in the power y en el poder, share your testimony y tu and you want someone to agree with you for that que se ponga de we have a minister team come Tenemos on up they'll join with you in prayer Van for those things if you need a touch in your physical body si un toque en tu cuerpo, come on up ven al frente We have people to, to join with you in prayer. Lord Jesus, let's just pray one more time. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did in us. We agree with it. Lord, let it move in our life. Let it let your power work in our life. The power of the gospel. As we leave today, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, be blessed. Amen. Sean bendecidos.